Welcome in to News and Views with Tom Lamprecht. The stories you've heard and the ones you need to hear. We have seen an increase in crime, especially areas like Los Angeles, San Francisco, and others where we've seen a rash of break-ins. Of all the bull that has destroyed our city. This inflation problem. Nothing will cut costs for American families more than the Build Back Better plan. To vote on a final product before Christmas. Pass Build Back Better. There's just not a whole lot of time between now and Christmas. Your life, your values, your voice. This is News and Views with Tom Lamprecht on Talk 96.3 and 103.7. All right, welcome in. It is News and Views, Tom and Benny. Benny is back in the hot seat. Got a good program lined up for you. We've got uh, Greg Murphy, Congressman uh, Greg Murphy, will be joining us in a little bit. Cousin Eddie Joe Biden was visiting Kentucky uh, in the aftermath of the tornado devastation up there and uh, met with Governor Andy Bashir, the uh, Homeland Security Secretary Mayorkas was with him. They told local leaders, don't hesitate to ask anything you need or you want. And um, But even as the president was touring the area, <laughs> hard to believe. <laughs> Let's go, Brandon. It, 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 yep, the cheers came <laughs> out. The cheers came out. So... Yeah, I wouldn't think Kentucky would be friendly confines for Biden. No, but but it is interesting that in that situation you you thought there it wouldn't happen, but it did. So even the people that were okay, that's enough. Let's go, Brandon. Even the people that were uh, there and uh, suffering tragedy yeah <laughs> they're still saying let's go brandon speaking of suffering um he i listened to the speech he really suffered through his i did his not talk. listen to it it was bad huh? I, I mean it, it's it is so obvious that he is really struggling cognitively and and another thing i mean this isn't the first president to do this and first white house or whatever i'm sure and maybe they had the permission from the people but they had set up in the, as a backdrop this severely destroyed home and a car, you know, so you could always see that during this presentation. And I don't know, maybe they had permission of the homeowners, but have been, been through a terrible tornado myself almost 40 years ago, 1984, same ones that hit Greenville. Um, those memories still linger. And for the people there in Kentucky to just be showing, to me, it's just, just shows poor taste. Everybody knows they've seen the images, you know, why, just set up a stage of somebody else's suffering and and you know people do it and the administrations do it in time of uh hurricanes and disasters but i, I just i just think it's poor taste yeah it's interesting you say talk about his cognitive uh shortcomings new york times has written a, a column brett stevens who is an anti-trumper but apparently he is now an anti-biden he, he touts himself as a conservative but i think it's a little bit of a double talk uh, but he came out with a, a pretty hefty piece the last uh, day or so talking about joe don't run again please come out and make it clear that you're not going to run again yeah i'm surprised something has hasn't been done i, I mean I, i've said from day one i think it was it was the plan was in the works for joe biden was never intended to run for re-election and I'm not so sure what's going to happen, but the Democrats cannot be counting on him being the candidate or Vice President Harris. Um, he would be uh, 86 at the end of his second term. 
and uh, and he's already struggling. So uh, it's and and uh, he also says uh, Kamala Harris, no, no, thank you. And, and <laughs> you're you know, as bad as Joe is. And age doesn't necessarily have anything to do with it. I've I've actually known some men and women in their 80s from a business perspective that were sh- I mean sharp. They would think you under the table, but um he he's clearly got some issues and it's sad that his family keeps putting him through this um but, but it, again this columnist uh, the fact that the new york times ran this piece it, it's pretty evident to both sides of the aisle that uh cousin eddie is not uh not playing with uh all the marbles Federal Reserve is positioning itself to raise interest rates at least three times next year in response to high inflation. Officials at the central bank issued projections today signaling rate hikes at a faster pace than previously expected. They had initially three uh, criteria that uh, they would have to thresholds they have to meet before they raise interest rates. Uh, one was inflation, which has been around for a while. The second one was full employment, and um, trying to figure out what the third one was. The uh, oh, and uh, that that we would. Uh, uh, what was the third one? I can't remember. But but obviously we're not at full employment anyway. To make a long story short, they have scrubbed those and said now nah, we're going to go ahead and raise raise the rates. And the markets responded. Well, they responded positively. Well, you know, the, I mean, the the Dow was up three hundred eighty three. I, I think I think most economists that are work in the private sector, not in the in the make believe world of uh, government, ha- have been saying for months, at least six or eight months. Hey, we need to do what, this. Number one, they need to quit printing money. Um, and the Fed quit needs to stop feeding, and that and that's causing it. That's causing inflation, and it's time for interest rates to go up. I mean, it's been talked about for six or eight months, expected for six or eight, eight months. And I think this is just the markets responding that hey, um, you know, Powell gets the message, and it's it's better to you know announce it, slowly raise them, slowly see some changes, as opposed to having a point where you've got runaway inflation, and then you have to dramatically raise rates and you know an environment when you have incredibly fast rising interest rates and inflation is you know that's like late 70s early 80s stuff oh yeah i not seen that since that time oh yeah um by the way i said there's three criteria there there were only the two criteria the uh full employment and uh joe biden still in office yeah (laughs) (laughs) that's number three The uh, by the way, did you hear the National Archives has released a bunch of uh, fifteen hundred confidential documents related to the assassination of JFK? I did. And I'm kind of a Kennedy assassination junkie, so I'm sure uh, some, you'll have plenty of stuff to look yeah, at. Yeah, some point I'll. It's boring life, isn't it? But you know, somebody's uh, got to be a geek. Well, <laughs> it's going to be interesting. All the theories. Will any of these? Will any of these documents, fifteen hundred documents, which you can go, you can go online, they're accessible to everybody, and you can go online and figure out, okay, what what exactly happened? Was my theory correct or incorrect? Or my hunch is it's not going to make any difference. No, no, it won't make any difference. But uh, <clears throat> I think everybody in America understands that uh, something happened, other than uh, someone shooting President Kennedy from with a bolt action rifle. <laughs> Which, which shots made uh, – no, it didn't happen. There was somebody else involved, I'm telling you. 
Well, interesting stuff. Uh, will any of these documents point to that? I mean, there's all kinds of theories out there. You know, there's one theory that he was accidentally shot by a Secret Service agent. You know, there's the grassy knoll theory and... Yeah, it'll be interesting. There'll be plenty of people scouring over this stuff uh, with uh, a microscope. And I think it mainly involves the, the the latest release of information is more about Oswald, I believe, isn't it? It looks like it. Yeah. It, yeah because uh, one of the reasons why so much of this stuff was uh, kept confidential was because of the relationship uh, and tensions between the United States and Cuba. And, uh, you know, Lee Harvey Oswald obviously had communist leanings. And, uh, you know, uh, I guess we got that'll be a good topic of uh, trivia. There you go. Something on Lee Harvey Oswald. There you go. Tomorrow. We'll see. Actually, I've already got the question and it has nothing to do with Lee Harvey Oswald. (laughs) The Federalist has broken a really interesting story that is. Uh, and I want to ask Greg Murphy about this. I, I don't even know if he's familiar with it because it just broke today. This, uh, you know, the the big deal that the January 6th commission is making about Mark Meadows and how he refuses to cooperate with the uh, January 6th commission. He's given him a kind of a big middle finger pretty much yeah pretty much you shot him <laughs> the bird but but he said you know i'm i'm not going to deal with y'all and uh you know find me in contempt whatever you want to do well mark meadows defense just got a whole lot stronger today and uh thanks to uh adam schiff for, shifty shift for giving him a a huge out now remember adam schiff lied twice during the trump debacle where they tried to impeach trump first of all remember he totally lied about the telephone call between the ukrainian president and the president he claimed he's kind of like editorialized but it was basically he wrote a fake script and then after he was caught he had the chutzpah to say oh it was just a parody yeah Uh, Vladimir Zelensky, the Ukrainian president. Then he also lied, came out and bluntly lied about the fact that he didn't know the whistleblower, Hmm. that he had no relationship with the whistleblower. Well, we found out afterwards, yeah, your office had been in uh, deep contact with the guy. You're texting back and forth and talking over the phone. Well, he's done it again. Adam Schiff has done it again. Uh, not only did Schiff misrepresent the substance of a text message, he went in, doctored it, but he also fabricated who the text message was from. Do you have that cut one with Adam Schiff? Here's Adam Schiff. Now, this was from last night when he was at a meeting. Uh, it was a Zoom meeting with other people in the January 6th commission. To display just a few of the message he received from people in Congress. The committee is not naming these lawmakers at this time as our investigation is ongoing. If we could cue the first graphic. This one reads, on January 6, 2021, Vice President Mike Pence, as President of the Senate, should call out all electoral votes that he believes are unconstitutional as no electoral votes at all. 
You can see why this is so critical to ask Mr. Meadows about. About a lawmaker suggesting that the former vice president simply throw out votes that he unilaterally deems unconstitutional in order to overturn a presidential election and subvert the will of the American people. Subvert the will of the American people is how it ended. Um, You talk about subverting the will of the American people. Adam Schiff is, uh, this guy ought to be taken out and horsewhipped. I mean, the guy ought to be impeached. I mean, you made the point before we went on the air. It's bad enough that you lie uh, about this but i mean if you were lying to congress i mean look what they want to do to, to meadows which is worse meadows refusing to come in or adam schiff lying to the committee now what he did was he took that that quote was just a small part of a much larger quote so he has taken that out of the contents he attributes it to jim jordan it wasn't jim jordan it was department of defense inspector general joseph smith's who wrote uh, a, this quote it was a, p- a part of a three-page document he took it totally out of context he was actually quoting um Ale- alexander uh hamilton in the federalist number 78 paper talking about how we're uh, we should be doing uh when, when it comes to counting electoral votes that you got to make sure that they're votes that are indeed legal by the way we've got uh, congressman greg murphy coming at a perfect time congressman murphy welcome in to uh, news and views good to have you with us and i'm going to bring you right into the conversation because we were talking about this january 6th commission i don't know if you've even seen this news but the federalists came out today and they found out that adam schiff is going in and lying about text messages between Jim Jordan and Mark Meadows, uh, totally fabricating it, rewriting the text message, making it say something that it didn't, attributing it to Mark uh, to uh, Jim Jordan, coming from Jim Jordan when it didn't. Um, when, when in the world are we going to rein in the likes of Adam Schiff, who is now doing this j- just as he did to Donald Trump in the impeachment trial? I'm sorry, Tom, and I'll try not to speak ill of other members, but I'm sorry. The guy is a pathological liar. Pathological liar. He lied during the impeachment nonsense. He's lied during the Russian hoax, and he's lying about this. So, you know, sadly enough, his people will keep reelecting him, but he's a pathological liar. He is a pathological liar. You cannot believe words that comes out of his mouth. Well, is anybody, I mean, right now they're trying to put Mark Meadows, you know, they want to throw him in the clink. What's worse, Mark Meadows refusing to cooperate with the January 6th commission or Adam Schiff deliberately lying? Now, of course, they said, oh, it was an inadvertent mistake. Baloney. When is he going to be held accountable? Yeah, I I don't know. It, It sure won't happen while we're in the minority. You know, the uh, the greatest uh, thing that the Democrats have now are try to prolong January 6th as much as possible. You know, I think there's uniform agreement, consensus agreement, as to what occurred was wrong. It should not have occurred. And, uh, you know, but then again, you look back on what happened during the entire summer previous, where over 50 federal buildings were burned. Minority businesses uh, way disproportionately were burned, looted, pillaged, and ruined. 
and then uh, you only have this January 6th, which was a crime. But they're just trying to string this out and continue the the, the, the litany of lies. And uh, it's just uh, the American people now are seeing through it. They know that this is a partisan witch hunt, and uh, they don't really want any part of it. They don't want any part of it. So, Congressman Murphy, Benny Hardy here. Um, to follow up on this, what what is the difference, or do you know what the rules would be if, if I testify before Congress and I testify under oath and I commit a p- perjury? Then I, I can be you know, it's a uh, it's a criminal act. But if I'm a member of the committee, th- this congressman, do they not take an oath when they're on this committee to not present false information to the committee? I mean, what to me, what is the difference between a witness and a member of the committee um, asking the questions? Or presenting information, because as you know, sometimes they're not asking questions, they're just making statements. Well, if they're making a statement that is a lie, why is that not uh, something that is punishable by a crime? You know, Benny, you bring up a very, very good good point. And to be very honest with you, I'm not sure of the uh, parliamentary procedure about that. Um, I am going to, you know, henceforth from this conversation, I'm going to ask about it. um, Because you bring up a very good point. Now, we're not under oath, um, but witness is under oath, so I think there's somewhat uh, of an issue in that regard. But the fact that he keeps on lying and fabricating things um, can be at least at the minimum of an ethics complaint. Sadly enough, um, uh, I don't think that we get very far with actually getting to the bottom of true ethical issues with the Democrats in power. Um, but it, it, at the bottom line, at the very least, it would be an ethical issue. Can anybody in Congress bring up an ethics complaint? Could you do that? Yeah, I could do that. Go for That's it. My understanding, I could do that. <laughs> Go for I, I, as far as I'm as far as I'm concerned, you know, there have been some issues, some ethics complaints um, about our uh, member of Congress in the far west in regards to certain activities, but I'm not sure they were made by members of Congress, sergeant of arms maybe making one but i'll look into that also yeah hey let me ask you the build back better read the federalist paper though so. the build back yeah, the build back better bill now of course we've got uh, over in the senate we've got joe manchin and cinema who seem to be pretty hesitant to uh give their support to this bill and I know you're not in the Senate, you're in the House, but as as they have been really struggling with this, are, are there anybody, uh, are there any House members that are, are now considering taking the same position as a Joe Manchin would? Have you heard anything about that? Well, it would have to be, um, Tom, since it did pass the House with, you know, amazingly 13 Republicans, which if, it, if those Republicans had not voted for it, it would not have passed. That's right. Several, several Democrats. You know, of their mantra, there's not enough Jesus in the Bible. Um, there wasn't enough. There was not enough wasteful spending in that bill for them. Um, it would have never gotten over to the Senate. So what has to happen is, um, if they do pass something and they pare it down, change it, it has to come back to conference. Right. And then the conference report has to be voted on by both houses. So. Um, hope it drags out quite a while, and I hope that, honestly, I hope the whole thing gets killed. You create 150 new federal programs, be a tragedy for this country. So, um, it's a tragedy. Indirectly related to that, were you um, surprised that the Senate, and again, I know you're in the House, but you're right there 
up, up in D.C. But were you surprised that the, the the number of Republicans that voted to allow the Democrats to cavalierly raise the debt ceiling, which they did yesterday by $2.5 trillion, I, I don't get the 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 politics of how that was a wise choice for the Republicans basically just to give the Democrats a blank check. Well, to my knowledge, Tom, I was, uh, I honestly did not see the final count. Um, I know, I can't remember which members did, but if any Republican members did, I'm not sure either they're not coming back or um, they're really caucusing like Liz Cheney is right now with the Democrats rather than the Republicans. Well, uh, no, there were some in there that uh, I think are planning on running for election. I can't what the total number was, but I think it was, uh, was it 13? 13 or 14, yeah. I believe. Yeah. Including, I hate to say it, but including uh, two senators from North Carolina. So, uh, well, now, hold on. That's the Senate vote. I, I, I you're talking about the... Right. No, I was just asking your opinion. No, 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 no. I'm sorry. I'm sorry if that was confusing. No, it was. uh, No, I don't think it would. I think it was just one member in the the House, wasn't there? Uh, Kensinger. But but it was really the Senate that has to raise it. Right. Yeah. 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 No, I was referring more. uh, Were you just surprised that that this was the political tactic of uh, Mitch McConnell and some of the Republicans over there? I, I, I don't get it. Some of this is not easily apparent as it uh, is long-term, short-term kind of game. You know, I think I mentioned earlier when I was on your show with uh, Tillis allowing uh, voting for the infrastructure package right. to give Cinema and Mansion, you know, somewhat of a win to keep them from getting rid of the filibuster. If we get rid of the filibuster, our elections will we'll turn HR one, which is Pelosi's bill to make elections fraudulent in this country by law by law and so it was uh, you know what a somewhat of a tactical retreat to keep those two from allowing the filibuster to be uh, uh keep it from being abolished so um you know some of this in senate is a long game kind of view for house house politics sometimes it's a shorter shorter a uh, shorter game kind of view let me uh, change gears and ask you about something else. You know, we the Liz Cheney over in this January 6th commission, you know, reading text messages and emails that, frankly, should have been private. I, I mean, unless these people want to volunteer and say, okay, I'm, I'm submitting this. It's, it's public information. Do with what you will with it. I'm, I'm fine with that. I, I don't get the impression that all the text messages that she was reading were in that category. And I think people ought to be very concerned that their their privacy issues are, are dissipating. Now, let me say that as a preamble. Explain to me this Immunization Infrastructure Modernization Act. Why? And, and you, you voted for it, but... Um, in, and some people have called it a national vax database. I want to give so, you some time to explain yeah, it to our listeners. Yeah, yeah. So, Tom, there's been a great deal of misinformation put out on this. And sadly enough, it's by <laughs> many Republicans who honestly did not either read the bill or did not seek advice from those who wrote the bill, Republicans who wrote the bill. 
And I'm going to give you an example of, we do this all the time in medicine, all the time in medicine. Um, I'm going to give you an example of things that I did, kidney transplants. I used to do kidney transplants um, all the time. I did them for years and years. And so what we did is we gathered de-identified data from uh, individuals and programs, transplant programs from across the country. So nobody knew who patient X was or patient Z or patient Y, but we did know that maybe that transplant program in New Mexico was not having a very good three-year survival of their kidney transplant, right? Mm-hmm. And so all of a sudden, there's a red flag that's going on in New Mexico about kidney transplant programs. How do we know that? Well, we knew that through CMS data with the Center of Medicare Services because they're the ones that monitor what goes on with kidney transplants. So there is a system involved that is allowed to do this. Again, 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 de-identified data. Well, these vaccines were not identified, were not hooked with CMS. We just gave them out of Walgreens, you gave them out, you know, these whatever clinics. There's no way of collecting de-identified data to understand whether perhaps, hey, maybe the patch that went to New Mexico from Pfizer was a bad batch, and maybe that uh, we're getting an alarming rate of individuals who uh, got hospitalized despite getting vaccinated in New Mexico. And that's the only way we're going to know this, again, from de-identified data um, of looking at those kind of things. And again, unfortunately, that's just an example. We do this with heart disease. We do it with lung disease, other things in medicine. Again, de-identified data and helping states bolster their programs to be able to do this. And unfortunately, you know, we have some folks that, you know, go off the reservation. And, you know, I I understand it. And, and, I mean, I think it's a fair question to ask at first. But, I mean, I had some folks that were really pretty hard on me who I explained this to. And and I said, did you actually read this bill? And they're like, well, well, no. We just listened to some other folks, which is, you know, just unfortunate. Um, I understand how people can be afraid. I will tell you, you know, and I said this one person, do you honestly think I would vote for a vaccine tracking system for people who are tracked in the country? I said, come on. You know, you know I wouldn't do this. And give me just a little bit of uh, a break that I know a little bit about medicine and the way that we try to help things in this country. So that's where it is. And, uh, you know, unfortunately we have some folks in our caucus that care more about their Twitter followers or their clicks on certain social media things. Um, than getting the truth right all the time. I love them to death. They're my, they're my colleagues. But let's actually work about truth and not publicity. So what I hear you saying then is that we're basically tracking the results of which medicines are working, which aren't, is there, but we're not tracking the individual who is actually receiving the, the vaccine. 100%. And this actually goes, Tom, against vaccine mandate. Because if you have places where they're being mandated, and it's not doing anything, it's not moving the curve at all, like Cornell University, 97% vaccinated, and they've shut the school down because of an outbreak. So, you know, places like that, that maybe not in a school, that are in a city or something, we have no way of knowing this. And we know that, you know, if you have a mask mandate or something else like that, but you're still having these massive occurrences, we know that we find out, see, these mandates don't work. Right. So... But you can see how people would be very skeptical in this, you know, when you see the the push and the mandate and 
the, the timing of this. I mean, as you explain it, I understand and I agree with you. But you could, I can understand yeah. how people look at this. And unfortunately, people just don't trust the government right now with all the stuff that's uh, gone I, on. I, I, 100% agree with you. Yeah. 100% agree with you. And uh, I can understand. I mean, good Lord, nobody trusts Fauci anymore. Nobody trusts the CDC. Nobody trusts, uh, you know, the FDA anymore. Um, and I can understand that. Yeah. But I just don't want people to get too far off the reservation and, at least personally, understand that, you know, I've been in medicine 30 years. I know the language, the vocabulary, and how things work. And I never vote for any type of mandate, um, especially with these vaccine kind of tracking things. This would never happen. Uh, Congressman Murphy, a question for you that um, that's, that's kind of related to this. I was just wondering if there's anything in this bill or if there's any reporting mechanism currently to CMS. Because I've asked some public health officials in the past about this, and they kind of give me a deer in the headlights look. But are are we tracking um, you know, the people that have COVID and, and using those numbers in the natural immunity category or, or getting the feel for you know, the percentages, you know, we talk about vaccinated percentages, first and second dose and booster, but we never, I never seen any reports of, you know, who's had COVID and that percentage of natural immunity. Um, is that being reported at all or what, or anyone asking those questions? Well, Benny, I, I think this, uh, this administration is doing a horrible job in recommending that natural immunity after you've had COVID is actually protecting against this disease. I think doing a horrible job because I think their fear is that it will take away from people being vaccinated. Well, because some, some people say, well, look, I was sick last fall. I probably had COVID, so I'm probably immune. And I get that a little bit. I get that a little bit. But the fact that, uh, you know, now CMS, uh, Biden medical system was good enough, but, you know, they, they were going to come down and mandate it for their employees, which I knew they would. They did that with the flu vaccine. But they were going to recognize natural immunity if you had antibodies to it, which just makes total medical sense. Mm. But CMS came out and said, no, we're not recommending that, which is, uh, we're not allowing that um, to be a way to get out of, uh, get out of the mandate for the vaccine. So, which is, you know, 100% wrong. Um, but unfortunately, this administration, Fauci, et cetera, has refused to acknowledge that that exists. So I think that's very anti-science, start by following the science. Um, has been very, very problematic for this whole pandemic. Well, let me ask you, going back to the Immunization Infrastructure Modernization Act, is is there any category for natural immunity in that? Uh, no, I don't believe there is. I, I, I would have to honestly check on that, but I, I do not believe, I don't recall that being a right offhand. Okay. One last thing before I let you go. Um, you're doing a great job with this whole fentanyl situation at the border and I know uh, you and other doctors are pressuring the Biden administration to uh, let's get serious about this. Uh, where does that stand? Have you had any feedback from the Biden administration? Is it just beating your head against the wall? Well, it's beating it against the wall, but I'm not going to stop. I got a pretty thick skull. Um, <laughs> you know, we sent a sent a letter to uh, Secretary Mayorkas. Right. That said basically, here are the facts. Here are the facts. You know. You guys have record seizures of fentanyl across the border, and, and everybody um, is screaming about that. See, they're doing their job. Well, yeah, they're catching stuff, but no drug cartel is in business to lose money, and so they're getting they're getting record numbers across the border. How do we know this? Two endpoints: number one, the cost of fentanyl due to the supply has plummeted 
are being flooded with the fentanyl. And it's surprisingly in the face of increasing demand. Hmm. You know, we had 100,000 individuals die in a 12-month period from overdose, the highest ever. So not only has the demand gone up, you would think, which actually drive the price up, but it actually the cost has gone down. So, so it's really uh, even uh, more exponentially a problem. And so, you know, I'm sorry. They're complicit in, in the death of, of hundreds of uh, thousands of individuals across this country and because of their open border policy. Eighty percent of fentanyl that comes to the country comes across the southern border. So, Greg Murphy, keep up the good work, my friend. Uh, you do a great job up there. We're proud of you. And uh, listen, if we don't talk to you again before the holidays, uh, have a great Christmas. Uh, get a little rest if you can. Oh, great. Thank you, guys. God bless you, and both have, you, uh, have a wonderful Christmas yourself. Thank you, sir. Dr. Okay. Greg Murphy calling in from D.C., and uh, we're way behind. We need to take a break. Stay with us. Benny and I will be right back. To news and views. Talk 96.3 and 1037. Welcome back in. Quick look at your weather forecast. Patchy fog tonight, otherwise partly cloudy, low around 43. Thursday, more sunshine with a high near 72. Partly cloudy tomorrow night, low of 52. Friday, get ready for it. Mostly sunny with a high near 75. Wow. Yeah, wow's right. Uh, do you have that clip by uh, Joe Biden? This is. Americans to go out and get vaccinated. And uh, yet at the same time, um, he says it's your patriotic duty. And he's complaining about people that would say, um, wait a minute, where's my freedom to make my own choice about this issue? This is Joe. And so everybody talks about freedom and not to have a to have a shot or have a test. Well, guess what? And so how about patriotism? How about making sure that you're vaccinated so you do not spread the disease to anybody else? What about that? What's the big deal? How about making sure that you're vaccinated? Um, I don't know why we have the uh, double audio in there. I, I'm, I'm sorry, Joe. <laughs> how about listening to the courts? that have said, you can't do this. You talk about being patriotic. And listen, there are a lot of things that uh, don't even compare with one losing their liberty and losing their freedom. I'm sorry, that is such, and and to to use that ploy to try to act like, uh, oh, you're not being patriotic, if you don't do exactly what I mandate of you, oh yeah, about, shame on Joe Biden. How about how about being patriotic to our Constitution and the ba- balance of power? Thank and you. And there's a reason we have three branches of government. Thank you. Not a dictator. Wow. What's the big deal? And you know, this is just another example of how liberals. Socialist communists want to uh, take away your freedoms, your liberties. I mean, sometimes they do it with alluring freebies. You know, remember when uh, Obama was elected the first time, you had people, oh, I don't have to pay my rent anymore. I don't have to pay for my telephone, Every free gas, free everything. 
They use that. Vote for me and I'll give you freebies. Or vote for my plan and uh, we'll have world peace. Yeah, what was it? Was it Thomas Jefferson maybe said something along the lines of a, a government that will promise you everything can take everything uh, away? The president. Be, be a good lackey. Well, what I tell you to do. As Benny said. Biden. Hmm. Um, we got to take another time out, don't we? Let's do it. I'll be right back. This is your Drive at Five, an ENC with Tom Lamprecht. Welcome back to News and Views on Talk 96.3 and 103.7. Welcome back in. Tom and Benny. Producer Clark Willis has uh, now got us up on Rumble. Facebook knocking us off. We yell all the time. Although I think we still are us off and we're on Twitter. But you can also now follow us on Rumble. It's, YouTube uh, usually gives us the hard time. Oh, YouTube gives us the hard time as well. We've been in Facebook uh, jail, too. But anyway, if you want to go to Rumble, it's ENC News, and then the spell out A-N-D, News and Views. ENC News and Views. So let's get ready to rumble. Let's get ready to rumble. <laughs> and uh, come next spring, we'll be on uh, Donald Trump's newest venture. Has he, had a, has he come up with a name for that yet? That's true. I think. I think. <laughs> I don't know. I think he has had. Uh, I think. We, I think we actually mentioned the name of it, but I can't remember yeah. what it is. Maybe you should call it name. unfake news. Unfake news. There you go. <laughs> Interesting story out of the Federalists. Who do you think the least popular person in Washington D.C. is right now? I would say Vice President Harris. Nope. Hmm. Nancy Pelosi. Nope. Chuck Schumer. Nope. You got to go to this side of the aisle. Really? Mitch uh, McConnell. Mitch McConnell. Mitch McConnell. The turtle. You, know, you stop and think of Mitch McConnell. Mitch McConnell. You stop and think about it. It isn't that surprising because all the Democrats hate him, mm-hmm. right? And you got a lot of Republicans that don't care for the guy. And uh, I, I, again, maybe I was unfair when I asked um, Congressman Murphy about um, them giving them the Democrats carte blanche and raising the debt ceiling. It's it's those kind of things that happen. And I know that, you know, one Republican shouldn't speak evil of another. And I think Greg was doing all he could to uh, follow that uh, Ronald's Ronald Reagan's 11th commandment. And we were doing all we could to get him a quote. <laughs> 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 but is it, is it any surprise that uh, Mitch McConnell's the least like uh, person? Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, you know, doing that kind of stupid stuff and it just, you know, when Donald Trump's in power, he's all for Trump. And then it's obvious when he's out of power, he's, he doesn't care for Trump. And uh, there was a writer for, um, what was the guy's name? Josh Hammer, syndicated columnist. And, you know, he was writing over the weekend about the fact that Donald Trump really brought it's interesting. A lot of people talk about, oh, we need to have the big tent. Donald Trump actually gave Republicans the big tent. Mm-hmm. I mean, as as much as Democrats want to bring Hispanics illegally across the border so they will automatically vote for the Democrats, so they think. Interestingly, the Hispanic vote that was legal and that could vote in the United States was split right down the middle. Fifty. I mean, of the vote, those who voted, fifty percent of them voted for the Democrats. Fifty percent of them voted for the Republicans. Um, it, it is, and again, you you see, you see more African American conservatives speaking out now than you ever did prior to the Trump presidency, mm-hmm. and you see a lot of them have realized that 
they have been lied to by liberals for decades. And they finally have gotten something with Trump. They got somebody in the White House that actually moved the needle on good jobs for the for those people that were least likely to get those good jobs. And actually, you know, he invited them to the you know, black leaders to the White House and actually gave them some some, you know, real meetings, some substantive right. things to talk about, not the typical, you know, a Democrat will bring someone to the White House or bring something to a photo op. To check op, the box. To check the box, and then nothing gets done. So uh, it's not surprising the Democrat Party is scared to death to lose part of that vote because they count on it. Well, Josh Hammer makes the point, okay, Mitch, what are you going to do with this? Are you going to go back and play your typical – establishment republican politics where as long as you're safe as long as you have the power are you gonna is is that what you're gonna strive for are you gonna actually try to encourage the kind of diversity and bringing more people into the republican party that donald trump started you know it's interesting there is somebody up in uh, alaska an individual by the name of kelly shibaka who is running against Lisa Murkowski good. coming up next year. Yeah, good, exactly. But as Shabaka is running, this candidate is saying, if I am elected into the United States Senate, I promise you I will not vote for Mitch McConnell to be our leader. So here you have someone that considers themselves a conservative, and part of their campaign promise is, I will not vote for Mitch McConnell. Well, you know, Republicans that's been in Washington forever always come to Mitch McConnell's defense. And they always talk about, well, Mitch McConnell knows procedure and senatorial procedures better than anyone else. But, you know, that— that may be fact, may be true, but he's the problem. He's a Republican. Same problems in the Democrats. The people that's been up there for 40, 50 years, self-righteous attitude. They've been so far removed from mainstream America, they don't understand what the American people need and what they're all about. They just care about power and not losing it. Well, I remember when I was uh, running for the state Senate, uh, the person I was running against said, well, you know, I've got seniority. I've been there for a long time. He said, my goodness, it takes two weeks just to figure out where the men's room is. I said, well, buddy, if it took you two weeks to figure out where the men's room was, we're in bad shape. Well, like my dad used to say about people cooking a pig, I don't care that you've been cooking pigs for 40 years. Your barbecue still stinks. <laughs> so, <laughs> And we're out of runs. Uh, be with us tomorrow. Play a little political trivia. See you at five. Bye-bye, everybody. All right, all right.